So what are we doing today, Stephen? We are doing a new release, uh, at least new wide release, because this has been hitting the indie circuits, as I think you say. When you say it, it, it makes me cringe, so I don't, I don't think I'm going to say it anymore. <laughs> I sound like a pretentious asshole. What else is new, you know what I mean? Wow. Really good to be here. It's really good to have you. This was um, not Neon or A24, was it? Correct. This movie has been buzzing for a while and has Oscar buzz behind it, so particularly this episode will be sort of like how we have broken down other Oscar contenders in the past, because who knows, it could be an Oscar contender come 2022. The movie we're talking about today is called Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou? Not Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou. (laughs) This film is written and directed and starring Justin Chan. Of Twilight fame. He's from Twilight? He's Eric from Twilight. He's the friend, one of... uh, Oh. I can't remember the main character. Oh, yeah, he's older now. Yeah. Twilight was 13 years ago. Yeah, I would not have put those pieces together. Anyway, this is not Twilight (laughs) in the slightest. This is a an auteur film about immigration and racism, I suppose. More immigration and deportation story. Hard to talk about any of those things without racism, right? Yes. Especially in America. Totally. Or I guess any part of the Western world. Westworld? Can you talk a little bit more about who Justin Sean is and yeah. what he has done? South no. California, born and raised, was <laughs> Born in uh, Garden Grove, raised in Irvine. Oh, oh, wow. He's a local contemporary of ours. Super local. Yeah. And he... Making a New Orleans film. Orleans. The inspiration for the film is pretty obvious because of all the deportation stuff that's been happening in America for years. But he's kind of been an up-and-comer indie tour for the last few years. This is his third feature, I believe, in the last five years. And he's basically just... Making movies kind of all centered around these themes of uh because he's korean mm-hmm. is he korean american or was he born korea do you know well i mentioned he was born in garden grove oh that's right <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah korean someone's american. listening it's not me but someone's listening <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the films that he writes and directs all have this undercurrent of yeah cultural identity yes what it means to be asian american or any you know version of something american that because, I mean, America is a melting pot. You have people from literally all over the world coming At least here. that's what we're taught. Yeah, I, and it should just be American, I think. I don't know. <laughs> what do we say about Justin Chan, then? Because we can't... Justin you know, Chan... Korean-American. ...is Korean, but he's American. Mm-hmm. And the character in this movie essentially identifies as a Western person. Yeah. Doesn't have any real connection to his nationality, I should say. Yeah. In Blue Bayou, Antonio LeBlanc, who is Justin Chan's character was born in Korea, and at three, he was given up by his parents and adopted in America. And so he has, like Stephen said, no connection with his heritage overseas or his birth parents really at all, mm-hmm. and barely has a connection with his white adoptive parents. And so he basically, is, you know, sees himself as just an, another, you know, guy in New Orleans trying to make his way in the world, a simple man. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Justin Sean is a very talented man and director and actor. And this movie was like a home run, I would say. And I am excited to see more from him in the future. Also makes me want to go back and see more of the films that he's done in the past because I haven't seen the other ones you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the cast. His wife, Kathy, was played by Alicia Vikander, yes, who has been was. in all kinds of stuff recently. We saw her in The Green Knight. Yes. She's super Swedish, but she plays with her New Orleans, her Cajun accent. I mean, when, when I was you gonna say she's her, Justin Sean's lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her accent in Green Knight was something else. Yeah. His lady. Yeah. There's also her ex-husband, played by Mark O'Brien. Who's their daughter? played by Sydney Kowalski. She was very very good. Jesse. Yeah, young she girl, is probably about 7 or 8. About that? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit younger. And then Who's um the Vietnamese woman played that by? That was Lynn Dan Pham. She was really good too. She has been in some stuff over the years. She was in Ninja Assassin. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> Mr. Nobody. Yeah. And then also I really uh, liked her in this. The more aggressive cop that instigates the entire plot of the film was played by Emery Cohen. Yeah, he was actually in The Place Beyond the Pines as well, which is a movie I was thinking of as a reference for this film. <laughs> his whole story in this movie was basically learning how sausage was made. Yeah, that was his arc. And it was such a disappointing finale for him when he realized what it was made out of. And he's like, how can I be? <laughs> I can never look at sausage the same way. Oh, he was also in the OA. He was uh, Homer. We're full circle. Yeah. We're such a self-referential podcast. You have to listen to every episode to understand the inside (laughs) jokes here. Anyway, (laughs) let's talk about what happens in this movie. Keep it brief. Can you talk about what happens in this movie? Yeah. So we mentioned Antonio LeBlanc is a 30-something-year-old man who has lived here in America for 30 years after being born in Korea, but basically abandoned by his birth parents and passed around foster homes for most of his early life until settling with an abusive guy and his wife. Who uh, it, it's revealed later in the film that Antonio and his adoptive mother were physically abused by his adoptive father, his foster father. But anyway, he's he's made a life for himself, doing odd jobs here and there, including being part of a tattoo parlor. And he's found love in Kathy, his wife, played by Alicia Vikander. And he also gets to know Jesse, her daughter from her first relationship as well and so they're living until one day the connection between antonio and jesse was a a huge setup yeah they spent maybe the first 20 minutes of the movie kind of building that relationship it's just as important i'd say as his relationship with kathy sure yeah Um, i would agree it's important for the final yeah everything leads towards the finale yeah but basically he is arrested for really as happens in many times in real life basically for no reason at all but because he wasn't born here, he ends up being sent on the, the deportation route. So after a certain amount of time, he has a court hearing. He's choosing to fight and appeal the judge's verdict. And if he loses, he has to leave America and never come back. So the film is about his journey in that process and... The emotions that are brought up because of that process. Yeah, and trying to find ways to deal with that, including the financial situation, because he has no money. These, yeah. They're very poor. And along the way, he meets uh, this Vietnamese woman in a hospital, and uh, she becomes sort of a, a secondary but also integral character into him connecting with his past and dealing with some childhood trauma and also instigating some of the decisions that he will make toward the end of the movie. Yeah. This woman has her own story. She's battling cancer, and it's terminal. So very interesting And yeah, I don't know if you just mentioned this, but she also provides his insight into that culture, which because he has no connection with his Korean heritage. But to see this Vietnamese woman who's very much in touch with her family and her own heritage, it provides this window into a life that he 
had never had. One of the uh, undercurrents of the film is his, he's having like flashbacks of his mother because he has this very kind of faint early memory of his mother who tried to drown him as a baby for ultimately unknown reasons to the viewer. But we speculate it's because of, you know, possibly chaos in Korea at the time. Mm -hmm. Korean War, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, that's something that he has to work through over the course of the film. Yeah, the whole film really sets up the fact that even though he's found love in Kathy and her daughter, Jesse, and has built a new life, he basically has this underlying feeling of being rejected and not being wanted. So there's that underlying feeling of never being chosen and desired by anyone that raised him or his even having like a stable family, sturdy background. He doesn't have that. So those are kind of his demons that he's battling throughout the whole movie. And he identifies more as American than anything else. So, Which is funny because the rest of America would not yeah. <laughs> give him that. He's kind of, he's caught between two worlds because he has no connection to Korea and America is, you know, as it is. Yeah. Whoa. As it is. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, well said. Hot take. Well said. Know, on the cult podcast. Is it? And the story, I guess this is the spoiler. It ends up that he is uh, not able to reach his final hearing because he is uh, assaulted by that one police officer. The sausage. The Officer. sausage boy. Sausage officer. Yeah. Officer Sausage and some friends. <laughs> and he's beaten and... Um, Left for dead. Basically. And then he is consequently deported because he missed his hearing. So, yeah, that's that's where the movie ends in that final climactic meeting at the airport that Stephen can tell you more about with his family. You want me and my family to tell? No, no, no. <laughs> well, while I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, this movie is definitely sad and it hits the gut and the heart where it should. But I kept thinking, like, it could have been sadder. Like, you know, it could have had more of an impact. Really go for the jugular. Yeah. And there is this moment. It's the very final scene of the film where he's being escorted by a couple of police officers to the plane and he has to choose essentially to leave his family behind and for the latter part of the film jesse who he had a very good connection with his daughter essentially was being pretty cold toward him for all the stuff that he was going through and he wasn't around as much because uh he was trying to figure out his life (laughs) She, in a moment where after he already says goodbye, the daughter screams out and says, don't go. And uh, it's this very emotional scene where he basically breaks free of the cops and runs back toward his daughter. And the music is swelling. The emotion is high. Gabe and Steven are crying. A little bit. (laughs) It's one of those moments in a movie that really make the movie what it is. Sort of like life is beautiful or yeah something like that but you know so they're hugging and it's beautifully beautifully directed jesus and jesse and antonio are saying these things to each other like i choose you i choose you that was the whole thing throughout the film was being chosen almost like we choose we choose our family we make choices every day to be with them and she's saying don't go don't go don't go and then literally the cops are pulling him away as alicia vikander kathy and the the father of jesse is also there and they're pulling jesse away and there's a few shots and that was cut together very interestingly yeah the Uh, one shot of the hands really got me yeah the close-up of the hands being ripped apart heart-wrenching absolutely heart-wrenching you know to see they were clinging so tightly to one another and then their hands just being ripped apart that scene it was so amazingly directed that i immediately thought oh this is 
this is the point of the movie right here. Like this scene was the scene that he was trying to get to the whole time and basically had to make the whole movie for because we wouldn't have cared about the emotion behind it unless we had seen, you know, the, the two hours before it. So it made the whole movie work. It tied the whole movie together. It brought the intention of what Justin Sean was trying to do with this movie really just about the heart-wrenching, heartbreaking aspects behind deportation and uh, how shitty it actually is. And then the first thing I said to Gabe in the car, or one of the first things I said right after was, I can't believe America does that. Like, people, The land of opportunity? <laughs> well, it's uh, for a country that really talks, I mean, this might be hot take to some people, but like for a country that talks about, you know, being land of the free and was built on people like immigrants coming here like you were saying like a melting pot the american dream of people coming here for us to just say "Mm, you don't get to make your life here even though you've made your whole life here so far this isn't going to be your journey anymore yeah that's the craziest part is that he had lived here for 30 of his maybe 33 years his whole life yeah all of his memories and his adulthood everything are here childhood adulthood and then the movie ends right on that note of just punch to the gut High emotion, the quote-unquote system, the government, America really is the enemy. And then, you know, racism is the... Instigating force, the catalyst. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's like the reason the enemy does what it does. <laughs> but then it shows actual people who have been deported this way that were actually adopted into families, grew their whole lives, spent their whole lives as Americans, and then deported in their adult lives. And then it said there are no way to actually count how many people this has actually happened to because of these laws that were passed. Yeah. And it's so... It's a lot. It's so f***ed up. It's so f***ed up. And that's what made this movie like a home run for me. Like I said earlier, this movie is an A plus because of... He did exactly what he was trying to do. He made a person care for a character and he didn't make them blameless. You know, he wasn't like a... Um, like a perfect martyr kind of individual flawless he had a lot of flaws you know he was he lied to his wife a lot even though he loved her really to preserve his own emotional stability and he also you know committed some crimes to try to make money because they were so poor so you know it still makes you care about this guy and this character and then shows you the trauma and the tragedy of Uh, what it means for these people who have spent their whole lives in a country to be basically excommunicated away from that country. Mm -hmm. It's incredulously tragic. Yeah. Yep. And that's just to speak about the intention behind the film and the narrative, but even on other levels. Technical level? Yeah, this film was beautiful. I mean, someone mentioned the other day, it might have been Bryce when I showed him the trailer, he said, they really want you to know this movie was shot on film. (laughs) <laughs> Dude, for real, yeah. The, yeah. I was actually going to ask if it was. Oh, it's super shot on film. Or unless it was like digitally altered in post to make it look that way. But it certainly has a distinctive uh, feel, which is why I said it made me think of The Place Beyond the Pines because it has this very intimate and emotional style of cinematography where there are just scenes where you're lingering on the actors' faces the whole time and it's set to music. There's a great sequence early on in the film set in this incredible location underneath these bridges i think it's right outside new orleans i'm not sure what the uh, what bridges those are he basically lives like right on the water yeah that's that's a very popular bridge in new orleans and they're shooting this whole thing at dusk and it's just 
the most gorgeous thing I've seen in a while. So he did a lot of other things that kind of showed you that it was film as well, like the out of focus aspects of some of the shots and the racking, the slow racking and how grainy some of the shots were. It was very grainy. It, it kind of was nice though. Like it, it felt very gritty. Yeah. Yeah. Instead it's of feeling to look that way. very polished. Yeah. You know, some of it was very polished though as well. There are two cinematographers listed for this movie and their names are Ante Chang and Matthew Chuang. Uh, the first individual, uh, Chang has worked with Justin Chan on both of his previous features, Miss Purple and Gook. So they seem to have a good working relationship. And who did the music? The music was Roger Swen, who has a lot of credits for musical department <laughs> <laughs> on stuff like Shape of Water, X-Men, Planet of the Apes. Uh, and he's got a lot of his own composer credits as well. But he did some really interesting stuff with the score. There are some. There are moments where it's more jazzy at times and also the soundtrack selection there was like bon Iver was in there you mentioned and the kishibashi track from the trailer was in there just a really nice arrangement of both soundtrack and score it's like we're setting the tone immediately that's what this film is about and what a movie it was definitely would recommend to probably everybody yeah in fact i would say that it'll be one i'll be thinking about for a while and uh, yeah especially for you as a young father i can't imagine that whole added layer for that you is, watching that this is film. the reason yeah i just got a salad instead of a chicken sandwich <laughs> i was like live a little longer i need to be around <laughs> for my kids <laughs> yeah yeah i can't imagine but i liked it too <laughs> and i'm not father so here's your ringing endorsement from a normal person and a young father <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we can call you normal. Okay, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you get the idea. Your average yeah. bloke. I feel like everybody should see this movie. True. Uh, even because even I'll, if you're racist. Yeah. It, and, maybe and you, more. You so. might not think you're racist, but if you don't think you're racist, then you probably are, and you should see this movie. You no, know, that's the problem with racism. <laughs> is that racists don't realize? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's obviously a pretty political film when it comes to like things like ICE immigration this is a really important story to tell now more than ever obviously and i think it is worth everybody's time both on an artistic level and on a political mm -hmm. level i think it does have a chance of being nominated yeah. i could easily see elise vikander being nominated for either best actress or best supporting justin sean as best director best picture even so i could easily see that for this movie in the and, past, and, I, and best actor. Yeah, in the past, I wouldn't have had much hope, even for such an incredible performance by Justin Sean. But with what's happened with in the Parasite. last two years, I mean, from Parasite into Nomadland, obviously Minari didn't win, but all the hype for that movie going into last year, I would. And the, yeah, this it's not really like Minari at all, but Minari is uh, is a great film. I think to if you enjoyed Minari, you're probably going to really enjoy Blue Bayou. Because it is Blue Bayou. The way I would describe both films is it's it's the American story told by an immigrant. Yeah. Or not not necessarily an not immigrant, an immigrant for yeah. Blue Bayou, but yeah. it's someone who's not, you know, just a white bread person. This is the this is the actual American story. Through different eyes, yeah. It's yeah. literally like the uh Howard's in a people's history. The United States. What is it like uh it's like as the history of the United States but told by the minorities. Okay. Yeah. What well, is literally a country made by immigrants in the last 300, 400 years. So. This movie is essentially the American story told through someone else besides a white person. 
So, yeah. You're there right. you go. Quite easily done. So that's Blue Bayou. Blue Bayou. <laughs> hey, what happens, Gabe, when, you know, you're standing still in traffic and then a motorcyclist drives right past you? It blew by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>